Hello, and welcome to everybody joining us today for Bible Quest uh, through Facebook Live on my page today. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, and uh, welcome to everybody that's joining us through the BibleQuest.org app. Glad you're here again today. Stephen Rouse and Scott Smeltzer, they're broadcasting from Gettysburg. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Scott. Hey, Drew. How are you doing? Hey. Doing good. And Jeff Smeltzer is live from Exton, Pennsylvania. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon. And I'm your host, Drew DiGrotto from Honesdale, Pennsylvania. So, Stephen, Stephen, we have a very interesting question uh, we got from one of our viewers last week towards the end of the program, and we decided we wanted to spend more time on it. So we're going to do that with, deal with that one today. So, Stephen, why don't you go ahead and present that question? Yeah, I really appreciate this question from last week because it's something that uh, has been coming up a lot in the news and just in our culture right now. And the question is essentially, does the Bible say anything about people who are transgender? Um, and I followed up with the viewer from last week and, and asked, try to, I tried to clarify their question. Um, and I, I asked them, are they asking specifically about people who are struggling with what some might call gender dysphoria? They feel like they're and trapped inside a woman's body or vice versa, um, or they feel like they don't belong to a specific gender. And so I asked them about that, uh, and they uh, said that, yes, there's a difference between, say, a cross-dresser and someone who's transgender. Um, it's because the transgender individual will, regardless of what they wear or any medical procedures they go through, they will still experience that dysphoria and self-hatred and maybe even pray to be healed without any healing ever coming. And he said it's been a sincere question, um, and he's been unable to find anything specific in the Bible that relates to trans, the, the transgender question, uh, not so much with cross-dressing or homosexuality. And so I tried to clarify and just say, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but so the cross-dressing is when someone decides to dress like they're the other gender, and the Bible is clear about that. We read that passage from Deuteronomy last week. Uh, homosexuality is when someone chooses to have sex with someone of the same gender, and the Bible is clear about that. But the question is, what about someone who feels that they are the the other gender or the wrong gender, or they're confused about the gender that they are, uh, according to their feelings? Uh, that's really the core of the question you want to talk about today, and specifically, what verses in the scriptures address that issue? And as we open this up today, I think it's also important to note that um, we're not going to talk today so much about the question of what we would call hermaphrodites, that there's a small percentage of the population that is, in fact, biologically born with both male and female anatomy to different degrees. And that's kind of a separate issue. What we really want to try to address today is, does the Bible say anything um, that has to do with those who are transgender? Uh, who believe that they're they're just struggling with this question? So, uh, brothers, what what can we say in response to that question from the scriptures? How how can we address that specific question? Well, before before we do start it though, we want to make sure that anyone in the audience uh, has a question, a follow up question, or comments. Please submit your comments and questions using the Q and A box on the app or the text uh, the chat uh, field on the, the Facebook page because we do want to hear from you. Um, but the first thing that comes to my mind, Stephen, is it, it's clear in Genesis 127, the scripture talks about that God created 
Let me just read it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, that's a clear distinction of two genders. Um, there's other yeah. scriptures that also reinforce that, but that's where I start. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I'm, I'm also mindful we think about that right from the beginning. God created uh, male and female. It's a kind of a binary thing that we see as it's presented in scripture. That's true for the animals and that's true for man, mankind. He's created specifically in God's image, male and female. Jesus repeats this in the New Testament. It's in the context of questions about divorce, but Jesus quotes this in Matthew chapter 19. And let me get the verse number right. Matthew 19. Verse 4. Yeah, where he says, Jesus said, he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Mm -hmm. So Jesus himself affirms this biblical teaching that God is the origin of gender and creates male and female. And just, it's the same account, it's the same incident being recorded by Mark, but just to note, this is recorded a second time in the New Testament in Mark, the 10th chapter, where Jesus is quoted as saying, but from the beginning of the creation, male and female, uh, he created them or he made them. Um, like you said, it's a binary picture. Uh, and part of this is just acknowledging that God is the creator and the, and the Bible is the communication of God to man. And this is the way he says he has made us. Yes. And so when, when we approach the question of, well, I, I'm speaking metaphorically here as an example, but if I feel like I am a woman, like I should have been a woman uh, trapped inside, I'm trapped inside a man's body. My biologically, I am male, but some other part of me is is female, and I, I'm having this dissonance in my thinking, uh, or I feel like I should have been a female, or something like that. I still have to grapple with the reality of the way that God created gender. I was born as a male, and so really, this gets us into a broader principle of what I feel versus what God has created and as a, a something of it's a binary nature. I'm a man and I might feel like I ought to be a woman, but God has created me as a man. And that's, that's a reality that I have to work to accept and to live in. What are your thoughts on that? Reality has to be accepted. Uh, I think right now Hillary Clinton feels that she should have been elected. Yeah, exactly. Um, that doesn't change the facts. Uh, I've got a son who uh, sometimes I think he feels that he should have been born Stephen Curry. Uh, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but reality is something we have to accept. There are, there there are temptations, there are struggles, there are, are things that people face. Not everybody faces the, the same thing. And so when the questioner says, you know, if you prayed for healing and it didn't come, uh, I'm not going to pretend that I've ever known what it's like to feel that I should be a different gender because I haven't. But anyone listening knows that anyone, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there have been things that all of us have 
struggled with and failed with. And there's a very important text on that point, and it's in First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Yeah. It's this. There is no temptation taken you, but such as man can bear. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Now, here's the important part. But will, with the temptation, make also the way of escape. There are certain theologies in which people wait for God to solve their problems. I've known of people, you know, well, I don't know when God's going to take this sin away from me. Um, and let, let me just ask, have you guys ever dealt with, say, adulterers who are in love with someone, not their spouse, and they have talked about how they need to behave, maybe they prayed about how they need to behave, and yet they still keep committing adultery. Yep. You talk to yep. people like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. And if they say, but I prayed about it and God didn't take it away, what needed to happen? They needed to take the way of escape that was there. Yeah. yeah. In the text in First Corinthians 10, the context deals with what particular sin? Idolatry. And what were the Corinthians wanting to do? They're saying, I know idolatry is wrong, but I want to be able to do what? They wanted to participate to in the, the idol feet. Yeah. Yeah. And so notice, right after he says, there is a way to escape, the very next verse says, wherefore, my brethren, beloved, flee. Flee from idolatry, yeah. We have to choose. We have to choose to act differently. We have to choose to think differently. And we can, some people mock this idea today. We can choose to think and feel differently. We have been, and we know people who have been in either hatred or envy or covetousness or, or other feelings, and we can stay in that until we make the decision to change the way we think. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's automatic or never tempted again. But when we choose to submit our minds to the will of Christ in reality, that makes a difference. And, and, and it I, really does. Go ahead, Stephen. Now I'll make a comment in a moment. Sure. Go, go ahead, Jeff. I've got another thought, but go ahead. Well, just this idea relating to the transgender issue. You know, somebody may struggle with his self-image or her self-image. Somebody may struggle with my identity as a male and not be entirely comfortable in the male role or whatever. And, you know, come to realize I am a male. That's the way God has made me. And I need to accept that. That doesn't mean that immediately or maybe even ever that that person is going to be entirely comfortable with him, his male role. I think that if he, I believe that if he, if he hears the word of God and he sets himself to following the word of God and he puts his faith in God, he will grow in that respect and he can overcome those struggles. But it's not necessarily the fact that just because I have self-image issues, I am, I am guilty of immorality in that state. Let's take Paul's thorn in the flesh. Um, Paul's thorn in the flesh is described as a thorn in the flesh, not because it was a literal thorn off of a rose bush, but because it was unpleasant. And you get the impression that Paul would have just as soon been without that thorn. 
what he was he able to do, except the fact that he had that thorn right. and God's grace was sufficient for him. And he could go on in that right. knowledge and faithfully serve the Lord. To the After asking and asking and asking, but then he accepted reality. He accepted reality. Yes. That doesn't he, mean at the moment he accepted reality that thorn started feeling good. But it right. does mean he changed his attitude about it. Yes. yes. Stephen, did and you want to add to that before we get to it? Someone came in with a comment. I wanted to get to the comment. Yeah, I just wanted to say in general, he didn't also he also didn't use that thorn as an excuse to sin uh, and say, oh, well, because this is hard. I just I'm resigned to a life that is in rebellion to what God has said, to what God, the reality that God has created. Um, and, and at the very core of Christianity, Jesus said, if anyone would be my disciple, let him do what? Deny, deny himself. himself. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the very heart. All of us have things that we wish could be different, or maybe even things that God has told us we need to be, that we wish, well, I wish that wasn't God's rule on, on this or that. But at the very core of the Gospels, I'm coming to God saying, take me and use me and cha- change me. You know, it, Whatever you say, Lord, you, you're the Lord now. If my feelings say something different, I will accept your reality, not mine. I, I am crucifying myself. I'm taking up my cross daily and following Jesus uh, and, and everything that that means. Um, so that, that's just something that I think a principle that's really applicable here. Drew, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Randy uh, asked a question about, said, with these people I'm referring, we're talking about transgenders, um, the issues on transgender. So we're talking about these type of people. Would they be considered effeminate that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. So in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, some translations use the word effeminate. Um, I'll read it from the American Standard, um, and it goes like this in verse 9. Or know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with men, And then it goes on and mentions some other things and says they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, The the second of those two phrases, effeminate abusers of themselves with men, the second is often translated homosexuals in in more modern translations. The first of those, effeminate, it's really an unfortunate translation. We use the word effeminate in English today generally to speak of someone who has feminine mannerisms. And, uh, you know, all of us, to one degree or another, we have mannerisms that may tend to be more masculine or more feminine. Generally, men have more masculine mannerisms and women have more feminine mannerisms. But, you know, somebody, if I sit and if I cross my legs, one knee over the other, somebody's going to say that's a feminine mannerism. Um, it's a comfortable way to sit as far as I'm concerned. Often. That doesn't, that's not what this is talking about. Somebody may have a high-pitched voice. Somebody may have hand gestures that are more feminine, and we'll say that's effeminate. That's not what this is talking about. What, what The word that is translated effeminate here is the word malakas, which, which really basically means soft. And it's used in Matthew, the 11th chapter, where Jesus talks about John the Baptist and and uh, whether or not, what did the people think of John the Baptist? And, and I'll just very quickly turn over and read the passage there where the word is used. It's in Matthew, the 11th chapter, in verse 8. He says, what went ye out see? A man clothed in soft, soft clothing is the idea. Of course, 
John the Baptist was a tough guy out there in, in, um, in the wilderness. So that's not what he was. But how, what does that have to do with the context in 1 Corinthians 6? And I'll just summarize by saying, in ancient Greek, this term soft was used in several contexts as a euphemism for somebody who played the feminine role in a homosexual relationship. It would have been the, 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 rece- the one on the receiving end. We might use the term catamites today. And so there's something to be said about uh, encouraging masculinity in men and femininity in women. But that's really not the point of this passage. Yeah, so, and just as a side note, people would, I'm reading from, these people don't even fall into that category at all. This doesn't have anything to do with transgender. Right. Right. And I'll just say as a side note, the English Standard Version that I'm reading from there in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 doesn't use two different terms there. Uh, it just says men who practice homosexuality. And the footnote says the two Greek terms translated by this phrase refer to the passive and active partners in consensual homosexual exactly acts. Exactly right. Uh, so the effeminate. Are, there's also females that say that they identify as male, and they may be behaving in a more masculine uh, way, and uh, and then some of them pursue surgery and those type of things. But in both cases, it's not being satisfied with the identity of the reality that they are. The girl that's born a girl is a girl. The boy that is born a boy is, is a boy. Uh, we do live in a society that is encouraging gender blurring in many, many, many ways. You see advertised, you know, unisex clothing, unisex haircuts. One first Corinthians 11 talks about it's a glory for a woman to have long hair. It's a shame or a dishonor for a man to. You see, we, the passage we looked at last week that the man wasn't where the woman's clothes, the woman wasn't where the man's clothes. Gender is an important thing in scripture. And we've got two modeling agencies recently. There's a male modeling agency that has hired a female to model male clothing, although it's not that male. And a male, and both ways. In other words, it doesn't matter with the modeling agencies anymore what gender you are, you can uh, model the other. A lot of deliberate efforts are going on to blur genders. Which is all that to say. Yeah, and for for all of us, I think there's just an underlying principle here that's so important. It is for any of us, whether whether we realize that we have uh, tendencies that uh, are not congruent with our gender, or, or whether we have temptations, uh, like you mentioned earlier, people who feel like I shouldn't be married to the person I'm married to, I ought to be married to someone else, um, or any of these realities, is is the thing that we need to do is do our best to surround ourselves with sources of truth and, and, and messages that will affirm what God has said to be true. He created them male and female. If I am created male, I may have some feelings that I have to struggle with with that, but I need to try to reinforce biological truth that, that I'm a male. And if I spend my time reinforcing something different than that, I'm going to struggle with it more. It's going to be more difficult. That's the same is true for, for marriages. I mean, there's lots of people who are, are, are in a marriage and they're miserable because they spend all their time 
focusing on and thinking about others, other situations. If this wasn't true, if I was not bound by covenant to this person, this and that and the other, and it makes it very difficult for them to hold to what God wants them to do. And that's to be true to their spouse. And so if there are those struggling with reality, the thing to do is not to dwell on what could be what I feel like ought to be, but to sincerely try to humble ourselves, submit to what God's word says and and to really work to desire what God has already said to be true. And that doesn't necessarily mean fitting somebody else's, you know, perception of what you have to be to be male or female. It doesn't mean that you have to be a lumberjack and have a beard out here. Um, (laughs) But we have to accept reality. Um, I'd like to share something that that I've learned uh, on reality over the last uh, three years. Um, For those of you who know me, know that Bertina and I were blessed with three boys and three girls and that they have been such an important part of my life and what's important to me. And uh, I, I love them and appreciate them. And I envisioned and thought of myself now and in the future with, with my three sons and my three daughters and now their extended families as they married and such and having children. But as some of you know, um, a little over three years ago, my son was in a flooded, heavily currented river near some white water and, and drowned. And I had to accept that reality. I wanted him still here with me but I had to accept the reality that he's not. I love him. I respect him. I miss him. But one of the things that has helped me through this is that if I start to wallow in feeling sorry for myself or feeling sorry for him, there's one photograph of him where he's, he's in the library down in Florida. Someone came in with a baby and he asked, can I help hold the baby? And somebody snapped a picture of it. It's a really nice picture of him holding this baby. And you can't read his thoughts, but it looks like to me, not only is he just enjoying this little child, but just imagining that someday he could have a little child like that. And that's not going to happen. And if I allow myself to just wallow in feeling sorry for what he didn't get to accomplish here and feeling sorry for myself that he didn't get to stay here, I'll make myself miserable. So I choose not to focus on what I can't change. And I switch my thoughts to being so thankful for my son and, and, and who he is and, and what he was doing. And it doesn't mean I don't miss him, but I have to accept the reality. He's not here now. And if I don't accept that reality, it's, it's just inviting misery. When you put it that way, it brings to mind just this idea of accepting what God has given me. Um, the Israelites in the wilderness uh, constantly wishing, oh, we wish we were back in Egypt. Well, that's not what God had in mind for them. Yeah. And they, however much they felt like they shouldn't be out there in the wilderness, that's where they were. 
and they needed to put their trust in God and move forward. However much somebody feels like I shouldn't be a man or I shouldn't be a woman. Let me put my trust in God and move forward. Now, there's a passage over in 1 Corinthians 7. I'll just read briefly in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17. Only as the Lord has distributed each man, as God has called each, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all the churches. Was any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any been called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. And you, you can imagine the Gentile in the first century church who feels like, well, I, I just feel like a Jew. I feel like I should have been a Jew. Why was I born a Gentile? Because maybe he feels like he has some disadvantage as a Gentile in his standing in the church. Or, or it could be vice versa. And you had some Gentiles who tried to make themselves into Jews and get themselves circumcised. And Paul is saying, that, that, no, don't, don't do that. Serve God what you are, where you are. And that's, that's kind of an attitude that gets to this uh, problem that we have today where people put so much stock in, well, I just feel like I should be something else. That's, that's not the right way to think. Let's take a young man who is engaged to his, the love of his life. He wants to marry her. She breaks off the engagement. They never marry. A year or two later, she marries someone else. What are his feelings? He's, he's got some difficult feelings to get through, but he has at some point got to stop and recognize what is true. And what is true is that she didn't marry him. Right. She married the other guy. Paul is in, he's a prisoner when he writes Philippians, possibly facing death, being mistreated by people who were, should have been brethren treating him right. He's got a number of things negative going on, but he chooses to look in positive directions. And he says this in Philippians 4, verse 6. Well, let's start with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And that's, that's significant right there. If it's not wrong to rejoice in other things, Proverbs 5, rejoice in the wife of your youth. But guess what? The wife of your youth then may die. Or, you know, um, yeah, yeah. And, and that, that you, you should have that joy while it's there. But then there's a point that that becomes, we can take joy in our health. We're going to lose it. A person might take joy in their possessions and they can lose it. What's the one thing that you can't lose if you hold on to it? The Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, always I say rejoice. Then he says, don't be anxious in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's good to pray to God, but that doesn't mean we leave the repentance up to God. Second Peter 3, 9, God's not wishing that any should perish, but is waiting for us to do what? Repent. Yeah, we're repenting is our iron. Verse 7, do this and do it with thanksgiving. Coming back to the other thing, switching over to being thankful for what we've got. Really important song. The lyrics are so important. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, do what? Count your many blessings. Name them Name one them. by one. And it will surprise, surprise you. you. Yeah. So he says, be thankful. He says, the peace of God that passes on our stunning will guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever so things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are uh, good report, think on these things. 
And if I choose to think on what's not true, that this guy saying, I want that girl to be my wife. Well, that's, that's not truth. Right. It's going to bring misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll also say this. Uh, sometimes I hear people say, uh, well, why did God make me this way? Why did God create me like this? Um, and that's true for people who uh, have homosexual temptations. Uh, that's true for people who have heterosexual temptations. That's, and that's also true, I, I think, sometimes in situations where people feel that they're transgender. Well, I didn't ask for this. Why, why did God make me this way? And I think we need to be really, really careful um, yeah. in saying things like that. Uh, in James chapter 1, uh, it talks about the nature of our temptations, uh, and, he, and it says this in, in James chapter 1 and verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And we need to be really careful that there are times where God allows us to go through different situations in which we face temptation. And it's also true that different ones of us might be more prone to different types of temptation. Uh, there are things that I may, that are really appealing to me that may not be appealing to Jeff uh, or things that are really difficult for Scott that drew is like, Oh, no problem. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. none of us need to say, well, God just made me, to, to, to live this sinful lifestyle. God does not want anyone to do that. And like has already been mentioned, God's not going to tempt us beyond what we're able. Um, it's true that there, there may be some who struggle with the temptation uh, of same sex attraction. It's true that there may be people who, who struggle with the temptation to alter their gender physically because they feel like they ought to be a different gender, but it comes down to what, has God said, am I willing to learn to be content with the boundaries that God has created both biologically in my body and in his word about the relationships that I can have. And we all have to submit in one way or another, Um, you know, some restriction that may be really difficult for you, maybe not as difficult for me, but there may be something that God said not to do. That's really hard for me. And it's not difficult for you. And, and the, the bottom line is it's not we're trying that we're trying to discriminate against people or say that these people are terrible or whatever. It's that we all have to deny ourselves and we all have to do what's right. Jeff? Well, this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we were talking about, Randy brought up where it mentions the um, uh, effeminate in some translations. It goes on to say, after mentioning all these people, by the way, notice the people it puts in the same category, fornicators, yes. idolaters adulterers, these effeminate that would be the, the one sort of homosexuals and then the other sort of homosexuals and then thieves and covetous and drunkards and revilers and extortioners. puts all of those in the same category in the same bucket as people who shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But then it says, and such were some of you, but you were sanctified. You were justified. Uh, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of of our God. So people in the church at Corinth yeah. uh, had been these things and had come out of them. So just as surely as I can come out of the sin of being a thief, I can come out of the sin of fornication. I can come out of the sin of homosexuality. 
And, and that's not a popular thought today because we want to say, well, I don't have a choice in these matters. We do. Yeah. On this right. idea, it's very popular. Who One of the singers had a song, Born That Way. You know, that's a very common thing. We are easily, if we're not careful, influenced by the beliefs of our culture. And there are two very, very, very prominent beliefs in our culture right now. And I want to ask what these are. What is the cultural belief, switching over to the topic uh, here, of, of more specifically of homosexuality in particular, uh, whether it involves transgender or not, what is the cultural belief about homosexuality? That you're born That's that normal. way. You are born that way. What is the cultural belief about the origin of mammals, birds, homo sapiens? They evolved to be what they are. By the process of? Natural selection and survival. Natural selection. So we are here because of natural selection. That is what culture says. And people that are homosexual are born that way. Now, there's a conflict there. What is the definition of natural selection? Uh, one of the Harvard professors years ago pointed out uh, survival of the fittest doesn't necessarily mean the most intelligent or the, the, the prettiest. It means what's the scientific definition of survival of the fittest? The one most likely to propagate, yes. uh, to survive generation yes. to generation. Yes. On their gene. In other words, cockroaches rate really, really high in that. They're not pretty. They're not very becoming. <laughs> they are good at reprodu surviving long enough to reproduce their genes. That is what it's all about. Now, Darwin's theory, um, the problem with Darwin's theory is that not, that there is not a survival of the fittest that goes on. I mean, if you, if you're a, if you're a bunch of fish are born and you're a fish born without a tail, you're probably going to be baited, you know, or something else sooner than somebody else. The problem with Darwinism is it doesn't explain the arrival right. of this. Survival of the fittest, there's a lot of truth in that. Now, so if in this battle for life, nature is constantly eliminating all but those that are most successful at reproduction, you tell me what genes would have been most quickly eliminated if there had been a gene. If there were a genetic basis that accounted for homosexuality. Can you imagine a gene more destined to be selected against than that gene? Because by definition, you're going to choose behavior in which you will not ever reproduce your genes. Yeah. We have a, a question in a question and answer uh, box, uh, Randy asks, um, then how should we as Christians deal with this transgender issue? Can we use the example of Jesus and the woman at the well in John four? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't understand the relevant reference to John four. I mean, the story there, I know Jesus meets this Samaritan woman at the well and turns out she's had five men and the one she's now with isn't hers and this, this question of course about how to worship god whether in this mountain or in jerusalem i'm not sure i see the connection there do you guys see the connection no i don't maybe randy if you could give us a little bit more clarity on yeah. how to re what, how you're relating that to it because the question is how do we as christians deal with this trans 
transgender right. issue. Well, I think maybe what he's getting at is this was a woman who obviously was not where she needed to be. But instead of Jesus just ignoring her, Jesus reaches out and communicates. Oh, okay. And maybe yeah. in, and even Randy, in Randy, the Randy, he just followed up with saying that. Yeah. And he's a, yeah. and she's surprised he'd even talk to her. Yeah. So yeah. there were, yeah. so there were Jews who would not have talked to her. Right. Jesus yeah. did. Maybe that's the point. Yes. Right. And Jesus yes, does right. say, by the way, I want to celebrate your, you know, identity as being with this man. That's not your husband. He doesn't do that. He points out the problem there, but he's still reaching out to this woman and she runs to town and says, this man told me all I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? And out the people go to go see him. And it, it, I really like this little detail there. She left her water jug. Oh, yeah. that was important her too. She'd gone to get water, but now there's something more important. more important. And when we right. come to Christ, we need to realize this is something more important than our previous agenda. That's right. Yeah, and Randy verified that's what he was getting at. Yes. And one another really important point to make um, is I do think that in, in our culture right now, there is an increasing tendency to see people that we disagree with as, as just kind of an enemy. Uh, they're not, we're not to really reason with people, but we just kind of attack each other. And that's not what Jesus did. Um, he's right. there with the, the, the people who, you know, he said, it's not the well to need a physician, it's the sick. You know, I, I came to call the lost to repentance and he didn't approve of what they were doing, but he was there with them. And, and similarly, as we deal with not just people who are struggling with what gender they are or people that are struggling with homosexual temptation or any sin. Uh, we need to be people of compassion and truth who, who are reaching out to anybody and everybody who will listen and, and be willing to dialogue, to discuss, to, to, to tackle these tough questions uh, with God's truth as what's paramount, but to, to speak the truth in love. Yeah. And, it, on, on like unbelievers and atheists and pagans or, or, or whatever, sometimes I run into brethren that seem to have the idea, well, I'll talk with anybody that accepts the Bible is true. You know, they, they, in other words, as long as you already accept that Jesus is the Christ and the Bible and the New Testament is the word, I'll talk to you. Well, Paul wouldn't have talked to anybody when he got to town if that had been his premise. Yeah. He's, he's, been, he's spent years going around talking to unbelievers pagans and and drunkards and and adulterers and homosexuals etc but i'll say this uh to any who may be watching this webcast or recording of this webcast that if you feel that you are a woman trapped in a man's body or a man trapped in a woman's body or whatever Stephen, you made the point a moment ago that we don't want to be the kind of people who just uh, come up to somebody who feels that way and just argue with them. We want to try to reason with them, show them what God's word is. But to those of you who might be seeing this webcast and you, you identify yourself as a person who is transgender, understand that you have to also be willing to reason and not just from human wisdom, but recognize there is a God who made us and, and his word is going to have the answer. Now, we may have to discuss whether or not the Bible is the word of God and what are the reasons for believing that. But if you are just going to sit on how you feel and that's all you're going to want to talk about, 
there's really nothing to talk about because I can't feel your feelings. And if we all just go by our feelings, there is no common standard whereby we can ever agree on anything. So we have to get past this thing about, well, my feelings dictate everything. That's a good point, Jeff. And that's really challenging. And that's challenging for everybody um, because we all deal with feelings. Uh, We all at times uh, have to deal with the dissonance between I feel like this should be the way it is. And God's word says something different. Um, And and that's, again, it comes back to this idea of submitting to Jesus as our Lord. And, and that's the, that's the bottom line is will, will we, will we submit? And that's a question, not just for other people. That's a question for me. You know, um, we, every one of us got to wake up in the morning and decide, am I going to submit to what God has created, to what God has said, uh, and really to, to seek that out in, in my life. That's the, that's the bottom line we're talking about here. So the bottom line is what we started with was uh, Genesis 127, where he made them both male and female. Mm-hmm. Not much right. further discussion from the biblical point of view uh, on the subject. Yeah. I, I do want to mention, yeah. we're coming to the close of the show, and I, I want to thank, thank everyone that had participated and the audience who asked questions and made comments. Didn't get to all of them yet, but um, I just want to put a plug in for next week, if I can, guys. Next week, we have, um, as a guest on our show next week, Sergey. And Sergey, I hope I don't mess up pronouncing your last name, Kursamaru. Uh, I, I know that I'm messing it up. Sergey uh, is from the um, Republic of Moldova, uh, formerly of the uh, Soviet Union. He was, in fact, Sergey was born uh, in the Soviet Union. Uh, was raised as a um, Soviet scientific uh, atheist and has a science background. He's a microbiologist. And we'll talk more about who he is and what he brings to the table. He is a Christian today. He's a preacher, in fact, in Moldova. And so Sergey is going to be joining us next week uh, talking about the topic of Jesus as a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That was he's, so he's true. Today. So, hello, Sergey. I will say this: just put a plug in for Sergey. I know him. He's a, he's a bright guy, and he is a he's a compelling guy to listen to. Oh yeah. Um, I've heard him. I've heard him get on TV, and I've seen a video of a webcast. He he, not a webcast, a TV program where he's talking about ag- agriculture. Uh, that's a field that he has some expertise in as a scientist. He's just a compelling guy to listen to. Yes, excellent. I'm, I studied with him. Oh, I've, Sergey, you're going to have to remind me when we talk again. Um, six, at least six months, if not longer, on, on, on two or three different topics. And so I learned a lot from him as well. I like what you said. His mindset is different. I won't say this in front of him because you know, I'll embarrass him. <laughs> His mindset is different than mine. He looks at things analytically. And I guess that's the scientific. Uh, you saved, you saved yourself there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, we look forward to that show, and, and we hope that we can uh, have everyone come back and, and ask ask Sergey questions. Yeah. Yes, and thanks everybody again for tuning in today. This is a sensitive topic, and I hope that we've uh, done our best to to present from God's word what it says and principles from God's word that are applicable to this question of of those who are transgender, and that, that we can uh, speak the truth in love. Um, 
with everyone. Uh, so thanks everybody for tuning in today. And uh, next Tuesday at two, Lord Bowen will continue with Sergey and, and continue. There's we still had a couple of questions we haven't answered yet, and we'll continue uh, to talk about those things. So thank you to everybody. Thank you. Bye everybody.